This is Anthems. Hi, my name is Demetrius Williams, pronouns he, him, and I'm a creative SEO copywriter, digital marketing specialist, and co-creator and co-producer of Black Canvas TV. Your word of the day is reconciliation. Family has always been important to me, whether it's the family I was born into or the family I chose. It's the deep-rooted connections I cultivate and maintain with the people I love over the years that have helped me to become the person that I am today. But family has also been a sticky topic for me. Well, I say for me, but in reality, it's more of a sticky subject for other people when I talk about my relationship with them. Growing up black and queer in London was a mixture of both liberation and exhaustion. But growing up queer in a Christian Caribbean family, well, that's another kettle of fish. I come from a very close-knit West Indian family, Trinidad, Jamaica and St Vincent are our islands of origin. We're so close that most of my friends up until my teenage years were my cousins, other relatives and my peers from church. And to be honest, most of my childhood memories were always bound in a sense of warmth and love. Family was a place of solace, a firmly rooted place of shelter, the shaded leaves and blossoms of an elder tree that protect you from the heat of the midday sun. But when I came out to my mum when I was 14, to say things turned left is an understatement. Han, you may think you're that way, but I know it's just a phase. It's not really a black thing. You can't be that unholy. Trust in God, my mum reassured me. I was a little shocked by the playful but firm reply. My mum's always had a way with words. But what perplexed me the most was the way she used the word unholy. Her face grimaced and her perfectly soft and poreless nose became deeply creased as the words left her mouth. It struck me to my core, to my essence, to my queerness. After all, as a teenager, sex and sexuality seemed to be everything. I'd always known there would be pushback from my family, but I never expected the visceral reaction from my own mother. Unsurprisingly, what followed was a mixture of shame and rebellion as my dad and extended family members found out the bad news later that year. The more I was rejected by my aunties, uncles and later cousins, the more I snuck out of the house at night to wander the streets of Soho to find acceptance elsewhere. The more my mum found and threw away queer literature or magazines, the more I smoked and drank rather than studied for my GCSEs. The more my parents laid their hands on my bedroom door to pray in tongues in the middle of the night, the more I wanted it all to end. The feeling of rejection from within my own home, a place where I once felt unconditional love, was excruciating. The straw that broke the camel's back was when I was 17. My parents brought me into the kitchen to discuss my lifestyle. By this time, my younger sister was approaching 10 years old, and I guess they were afraid of how my behaviour was going to influence her. It's not that we don't love you, we do. But whatever you think you are, it won't be tolerated in this house, was my father's final reply. As I walked back to my room, clutching my chest in disbelief, I sat on the edge of the bed to console myself. My mind desperately clung to whatever life experience I had to process what I was feeling. Staring at the walls of my room, peppered with posters from 90s R&B artists from Blackbeat and Word Up magazine, I fixed my eyes onto a boyishly nonchalant Aaliyah and asked her, who do I turn to now? For the next three years, I sowed the seeds and cultivated new friendship groups. Not only did I seek to find my queerness, but I also yearned to seek out my blackness within my queerness too. From the one pound a drink R&B nights at the Black Cap, 
to the many nights at the infamous Bootylicious and Club Carabana, I grew my own family and established a new set of familiar and some unfamiliar connections to make my life feel whole again. By the time I was 20, I made the conscious decision to disband from my parents and my wider family. After all, if they weren't going to accept all of me, they couldn't have me at all. It sounds childish now at the perfectly ripe age of 39, but I think what I needed was a break from that visceral feeling of rejection. And for the sake of my mental health, it meant breaking free from them. I needed to uproot from my parents, live life on my own terms, be happy and surround myself with love. And it worked. I've never been happier. But cut to 10 years later at 31 and the dream started to happen. I'm 10 years old and I'm at my cousin's house. We're playing upstairs in her room. This time we're pretending to be a duo pop band. I press play on the tiny Casio tape player and we sing at the top of our lungs to Don't Walk Away by Jade. Kids, what happened to you? I'll just up the lineman and come downstairs for dinner. That was the usual refrain when my auntie was cooking and wanted us to wash up before we ate. We ran downstairs and sat eagerly at the table as my mum said grace before she served up my auntie's infamous chicken curry, spice callaloo and garlic roti. The kitchen was a buzz with chatter from my parents, auntie and other relatives who somehow found out what she was cooking and was obliged to pay her a visit just in time for dinner. As I reach out to get another piece of roti, I accidentally spill my glass on the table, all over my food and onto my cousin sitting next to me. I nervously look around to my mum and then close my eyes, expecting a verbal scolding. To my surprise, her hand gently touches my shoulder and she whispers into my ears, Don't worry, firstborn. It's only water. I love you. As she kisses my forehead, the kitchen fills with chatter again. Soon, the chattering voices begin to fade. The kitchen that my subconscious had perfectly reconstructed slowly becomes dark. I'm awake now. My belly is rumbling from the memory of Auntie's chicken curry that's slowly fading away as I become aware of my surroundings. I reach for my pen and notepad on my bedside table and jot down what I dream while I can still remember it. I swear I can still smell the turmeric and cumin from Auntie's amaratic curry. For the next six months, I had many reoccurring dreams like that one, all centred around my parents or relatives, moments of play, family gatherings or other events that were filled with a deep sense of love as a child, even random moments that I totally forgot about. It was as if my subconscious was pining for those lost connections night after night, the connections that I thought I'd uprooted and tossed to the curb over a decade ago. Why on earth would I want to go back there again? After weeks of looking for answers in my dream diary with over six months' worth of entries, I finally spoke to a close friend about my subconscious walks down memory lane. She giggled under her breath as I relayed my frustrations and she said, Demetrius, has it ever occurred to you that you might want some reconciliation with your parents? In all honesty, no it hadn't. I felt perfectly happy with my new life, my career and the small circle of friends I chose to surround myself with. I was happy and surrounded with love. But when I thought about it, when I thought about how I felt about them, it came down to two simple words, bitterness and spite. When it comes to reconciliation, what I really wanted was to tell them how much emotional trauma they put me through because of their beliefs. Being denied the choice to be me, the real me, that shit was painful as hell. If reconciliation was what God, the universe or karma was pushing me to do, it was because I wanted them to know exactly how they made me feel. It was therefore we haven't spoken to each other in over a decade. 
Filled with the same bitterness and spite, I plucked up the courage to go back home. It felt like a lifetime since I stepped back into the family home. I didn't know if they'd reject me again or be angry with me for rejecting them. Nevertheless, reconciliation and retribution for my pain was what I needed. As I nervously knocked on the door, I carefully straightened the collar of my shirt. Mum always hated an untidy sartorial look. As she opened the door, her eyes widened with surprise. My dad nervously walked up to the door behind her. After a few awkward seconds, which felt like minutes, my mum grabbed me with open arms and my dad later joined. As we embraced, my mum whispered in my ear, Welcome back, firstborn. I burst into tears. As my parents' embrace became tighter, I immediately felt a wave of emotion rush through me, like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders. It wasn't retribution that I was seeking, it was freedom. I needed reconciliation to be free from the bitterness and spite, not to unleash it. I needed reconciliation as a form of forgiveness. I needed reconciliation so I could draw a line in the sand to find the tiny resemblance of peace, despite my parents' feelings about my sexuality. Is my relationship with my parents perfect now? No. Do they fully accept my sexuality? Unfortunately not. Am I able to talk to my parents about my friendships with other LGBTQ folk, even my husband? No. My parents are a work in progress, and while they're very much stuck in their old ways, I'm at a place where I can continue to nurture the connections I have with them and my wider family in a way that simply works for us all. I don't particularly yearn for their acceptance. I'm proud of who I am, where I come from, and the life that I've cultivated for myself. And if that's not your cup of tea, then that's none of my business. But what reconciliation with my family gave to me was the ability to shed the dead emotional weight that I was carrying for years. I may not have found acceptance, but what I got in return was peace. Holding on to anger without a holistic outlet for it is exhausting. I can't change the past, but now that I'm an uncle for the first time this year, my intention is to be present within my family, make sure that the generational curse of homophobia is broken, and it never sees the light of day in our family's future. Reconciliation. Noun. Definition. The restoration of friendly relations. <laughs>